0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight inside sports on 630 Chad. Yeah. Later on this half hour, we'll get the latest on the Toronto Blue Jays who could be playing home games all over the place well, or maybe two or three different venues. They are not going to be able to play in Pittsburgh. Dan Shulman, love his voice, great play-by-play guy, calls Blue Jays games on Sportsnet. He'll check in in a few minutes, 780-496-0063. Oz writes in, uh, he says uh, a lot of people who polled – who were polled are against the Eskimos' name because it takes away from their identity. We might not like the name change, but enough protest came about it to bring on change. This shows progressive thinking by society. Those arguing against the name change are mostly non-Inuit. Get over it. Move on. And he writes, go Empire, uh, though I believe Chris Presson has ruled out Empire as a name, which is fine with me. This texture says, I love the CFL. I'm the mother of a Canadian Football League player. I have worked for the Eskimos and I can understand that it is is problematic slash offensive. And the big L says, I have to shake my head when white people are telling Aboriginals about what should or shouldn't be offensive to them. Uh, John says Inuit people were given an Eskimo identification number when they were processed by the federal government years ago. There are several negative connotations to the turn. That is from from John. Vic says it would do Bel Air Direct good to put a large donation towards helping the rebranding if they were so concerned about the name. That is Vic. And Tyler from Sherwood Park says corporate executives made a decision that they thought would make more money getting rid of the name, then by keeping it, it's simple. They really don't care about anything else. That is from Tyler. Uh, Myrrh the Flames guy, he says, I'm not a fan of the name change, but I notice everyone who calls in to defend the term Eskimo then always refers to that group of people as Inuit. Why? If it wasn't deemed an offensive term, they should use the term Eskimo while referring to them. Just my two cents. That is Myrrh the Flames guy. Who listens to uh, Edmonton sports talk shows, even though he's a Flames guy. That's okay. Yeah, thanks for your uh, input, everybody. A a couple of you actually made me uh, chuckle with some comments on the text line, though I I can't read what you wrote on the show. But I read all the texts that come in. And uh, I do appreciate it. Like I said, I I don't mind you reaching out. If you're uh, angry, upset, confused, happy, relieved, uh, you can tell me. I think most of uh, the large majority of the texts that that have come in uh, have been, you know, intelligent, have been mature, haven't resorted to just uh, name calling or profanity or things like that. So I do appreciate that. Try to, as big as a goofball as I am sometimes, I I, I, I do try to have some intelligent aspects to the show. And I think we need to use our brains as much as we can when when talking about this topic. And as for me, I just, I'd like to see uh, the Canadian Football League. I, I, I mean, usually we'd be talking about games right now. That would be uh, a lot more. Uh, I would enjoy that a lot more than this topic. But we got to tackle it. And, and thanks to everybody who, who chimed in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right, Ken Holland, the president and GM of the Oilers, spoke today, and uh, he was asked about how his players have been handling Phase Three, handling training camp.
1: I mean, we talked about it the f- first day of. Uh, phase three on the Monday morning about the importance of them being um, diligent with um, you know washing their hands uh, decisions that they make about uh, um, where they go out and social distancing um, because if you do end up um, getting COVID it looks like you know you know, obviously, you're going to be isolated in the process, but you're, you're probably going to be away from the team for a minimum of two weeks and, and closer to three weeks. Um, so um, we want to hit, uh, obviously, to hit the hub on uh, on Sunday with um, with everybody healthy. And um, obviously, they're getting tested every second day. So far, so far so good. So I think that. Uh, um, they're making good decisions. Uh, certainly the, the tests would indicate they're making good decisions in terms of um, protecting themselves and protecting their teammates and protecting their families. And I think from a uh, leadership standpoint, as we're starting to get close to the Hub on Sunday and then, you know, Tuesday night we play a, a game against uh, Calgary and it's Saturday afternoon, I think it's we're starting to get excited. Tonight, obviously, is a game day. Uh, um, more pre-game skates this morning, a game tonight at 8 o'clock to simulate a, a night game. We're going to have a, a, the Col- a Colby Cave game on, uh, on Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock to end our uh, Phase 3 training camp as we go into, uh, into the hub on Sunday. So I think, I think everybody's getting excited. I think that uh, we're excited about the opportunity and uh, um, the juices are starting to get flowing a little bit with the anticipation of uh, real hockey's on the horizon. A little
0: bit there from Ken Holland. The Colby Cave game is Saturday at 1. All players will wear Cave's number 12 jersey, and they'll be auctioned off on EdmontonOilers.com at a later date, with all proceeds going to the Colby Cave Memorial Foundation. So uh, remember that as we continue to move through training camp. Sunday, the players go into the hub, so they're, they'll all move into the hotel. And then we got Monday, and then we got the, the exhibition game already coming up on Tuesday. So those are the next few days for the Oilers. They will have, so they, the scrimmage tonight, practice tomorrow, is right now set for 11. No skate is scheduled for Friday. So that's what's going on with them for uh, the next few days. Uh, Ken Holland also commenting on the unknowns of the playoffs.
1: I'm not going to tell you all 24 teams can win the playoff, the Stanley Cup tournament, but I think all 24 teams can win a playoff round. And and uh, and then if you win one playoff round, you get on a roll. You know what everybody doesn't know is injuries. And injuries, you know, they and if, if 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 you need depth, but there's certain injuries that you're you're able to kind of overcome. And how long are the injuries? Are the injuries for a game or are the injuries that you're losing a a key key player for? For, for an entire series, you know, so over the course of time, things change. And and that's why I think, you know, and again, I, I, you know, over 82 games, the teams that have great years win lots of games by by a goal. And and the, and the teams that aren't quite as good don't win quite as many by a goal. And as you start to get into a 16-team tournament, now it's 24, but, you know, you, that's why the Stanley Cup playoffs are, are – Number eights can beat number ones, and, and sevens can beat twos.
0: All right, that's a little bit from Ken Holland. And if if the Oilers do beat Chicago, and I do think they should be favored in that series, if the Oilers do beat Chicago, no idea who, who they're going to play. A couple people have asked me that over the last few days. Well, what's the draw for the Oilers if they win those top four teams, as I'm sure most of you know, are doing a little uh seeding round and so whoever finishes last out of those four teams that's colorado that's vegas that's st louis and dallas whoever finishes fourth out of those teams after their round robin gets the fourth seed and if the oilers win that would be their opponent in the first round of the playoffs The qualifying round is not the first round it's the first the qualifying round is the qualifying round then there's the first round even though it'll be the second, I'm not, I'm not getting too much into that. You guys all know what I'm talking about. Uh, I just want to read one more text here from John because he took some uh, time to put some thought into this one and, and send it in just on the uh, the name change. He says, read, whether or not a name refers to a specific Sorry, he says, whether or not a name that refers to a specific ethnicity is offensive is totally irrelevant. It's just time to stop naming teams after ethnicities. For example, the term African-American is not offensive. It's the acceptable way to refer to that ethnicity. But would you ever name a team the Edmonton African-Americans? Of course not. Just stop making ethnicities into team names. No good can come of it. Pretty good point there, I think, by John seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Dan Schulman on the Blue Jays. Let me get back.
2: ocean. Well,
0: a very abbreviated baseball season is about is about to start. And the Toronto Blue Jays uh, have a lot of questions, like where they're going to play a large chunk of their games, don't they, Dan Shulman?
2: Well, it's it's changing very quickly, but apparently the, uh, uh, the state of Pennsylvania has now denied the Blue Jays the opportunity to play there. Uh, the health officer, I believe, is the title, said that they just don't want to bring more travelers into the state than is necessary and i guess the fact that the blue jays would be going to and from florida might not be something they're comfortable with so you know obviously the phillies do this and philadelphia's in pennsylvania they're going to florida too but uh the pirates and phillies i guess are getting treated a little bit differently than an outside team like the blue jays are so it's back to the drawing board, unfortunately, for the Blue Jays. And you have to feel sorry for them. You know, no matter how you feel about them, if you're a fan or not, they're going through this through no fault of their own right now. And they're, they're really in a very difficult spot.
0: Yeah, it, it is tough, obviously. What are you hearing about other possible destinations where they could play some or all of their home games?
2: I think there's some talk about Baltimore, whether the state of Maryland would be okay with this. And and it wouldn't get the Blue Jays 30 home games. It might get them 18 or 21 because of, you know, schedule conflicts. The schedule wasn't designed so that the Blue Jays would be home every time Baltimore's on the road. Obviously, nobody knew. You know, Buffalo is there as a AAA facility. And then another possibility, I don't know if it's a possibility, if they can't get anything else but they really want to be in Major League ballparks, is that they're a road team for all 60 games. And they get to play as the home team half the time, but they don't have a home park. So whether if Baltimore is at Toronto, that's at Baltimore. New York's at Toronto, that's at New York. And they're just the home team in the other team's park half the time.
0: I've been asking a lot of broadcasters this. What do you anticipate? Are, are you going to the games? Or are you going to be somewhere centralized
2: calling off a monitor? What's happening for you? Oh no, we're not allowed to go to the games. Uh, there are no visiting broadcasters in Major League Baseball are going to games. Um, radio broadcasters are actually allowed to, but I don't know if any are. No local visiting television broadcasters uh, are going to games. So, like, even if it's the Angels playing the Dodgers, the Angels TV guys are not driving up to LA to do the game from Dodger Stadium. That's MLB wide, uh, and above and beyond that. Uh, my bosses, our bosses don't want to send any of us over the border. Uh, So had the Blue Jays played in Toronto, we would have done 30 games at Rogers Center and 30 games from the Sportsnet Studios. Now, regardless of where they play, Buffalo, Baltimore, wherever, we're doing all 60 games from the Sportsnet Studios, the Tim and Sid Studio, to be specific.
0: Uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, let people in, in on your craft here. Challenges for you off, off the monitor, or have you
2: done that before? I don't know. Uh, uh, very little. I did uh, a FIBA Americas tournament in 2016 off a monitor. You see this kind of thing more often for world events, World Cup, Olympics. Uh, that sort of thing. I, I think that's the only time I've done it. You know, there are challenges, of course. So you you take for granted being at a ballpark, being able to look out of the booth and see if the shift is on or if the infield is in or if somebody's up in the bullpen. Plus, of course, we're used to doing it in a ballpark with atmosphere, which wouldn't have happened this year even if we were doing games from the park. But the uh, our crew at Sportsnet has been unbelievable. We went in and kind of did a dry run last night. And they've got huge monitors set up, one for the game feed. And so, for instance, the monitors last night were connected to Tropicana Field, the Rays ballpark where the Blue Jays open on Friday. And we think we'll have a camera that shows the bullpens and a camera from above home plate that shows the whole field so we can see where the defense is Um, and a camera that shows the scoreboard. Uh, in the visiting park just to get the information off there so teams are collaborating or the broadcasters of teams are all collaborating to try to make this easy on everybody because every team is doing at least half of their games not on site at least the road games are being done in a studio so everybody's really doing the best they can to try to make this as easy as they can
0: dan just a couple more quick ones for you such a short season every year there's that team that you know, win seventeen or eighteen games in April, but you kinda know, okay, they're not actually that good and and they might fade off. But this year, I mean a hot first
2: month that might get you to the playoffs. Yeah, and you're right. You start 12 and 6, you're 30% of the way through the season feeling great about yourself. You start 6 and 12, you don't have very much time to dig yourself out of it. So uh, the opening couple of weeks are going to be crucial, and I think managers will be managing that way. You know, I I think of it a, a little bit differently sometimes. Instead of thinking of it as a 60 game season, I think of it as, hey, it's August 1st, and everybody's got the identical record. What would you do if it was August 1st and everyone had the same record? You would go for it. And I think these managers are going to go for it uh, as much as they can. And, you know, a hot streak might put you in good position for the trade deadline. A cold streak might make you rethink some things. The trade deadline is only like 35 games into the season. And who knows how many trades we'll have given all the complications that exist. But um, if they can pull it off and it's still a big if, you know, we know it's not for purists and it's going to be strange, but it's got a chance to be very exciting. And Dan, the last
0: question would usually be the first one if this were normal circumstances, which we haven't been in for a while. But give me a couple of keys for the Blue Jays to, to have a good year here.
3: Well,
2: uh, you always start with pitching. And I think with the acquisition of Ryu, the health of Shoemaker, the health of Barucci and the eventual promotion of Nate Pearson, their pitching's got a chance to be a lot better. That's a big key. Can their starting pitching just keep them... In games, and then I know everybody focuses on Biggio and Bichette and Guerrero and Guriel, and they're great, they might be the four best players they have. But I'm going to focus on guys at the bottom of the order Teoscar Hernandez, Randall Grichick, Rowdy Telez, who could hit six, seven, eight, something like that in whatever order. Um, They've all got enormous power, but they all strike out a lot, and they're all talking about a new two-strike approach and trying to put the ball in play a little bit more when they get to two strikes. They've all had hot streaks. If they can ever be consistent, if they can be the best version of themselves, they can all be very dangerous hitters. And I think that could turn the Blue Jays into a very dangerous offensive team.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. Appreciate your perspective. Love that voice. Dan Schulman, play-by-play voice for the Blue Jays on Sportsnet. So they're looking for a stadium and a possibility is that they just play all their games in the other team's stadium. But if the Blue Jays were scheduled to be the home team, they would bat last. They would they would get the second bat. They would bat in the bottom of the inning as the home team. Uh, man, a lot of uncertainty for for the Jays. Could be a nomadic team here in the Major League Baseball season. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you can reach out. The Oilers skate tonight. Got a scrimmage tonight at eight o'clock. So I'll head over there. After the show to take that in, we'll be tweeting out updates. Morley Scott will have a little bit more of the story on the morning sportscast. We're going to check in with Jamie Nye in Regina talking the future of the CFL and the Hub City proposals. on Philip Broberg and what Ken Holland had to say about the Oilers' prospect on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Broberg will be on the ice with the rest of the Oilers in about half an hour for a scrimmage at the downtown community arena. Just had Dan Schulman on the show talking about the uncertain future of the Toronto Blue Jays in terms of where they're going to play their games as we bring my buddy Jamie Nye from CJME Radio in Regina onto the show. Jamie Vic texted in. He says, I love Dan's voice. I could listen to him all night. Do you think you can talk like Dan the rest of the night? Well, Jamie, I can't do a Dan Schulman impersonation, <laughs> uh, but that voice is, uh, I don't know if it's, the, if it's the best broadcasting voice in
3: North American sports, but it's, if not, he's on a very short list. Oh, it's top three for sure. It might be number one. The, the how smooth he is, it is mm-hmm. unbelievable.
0: Well, he's smooth, and he's one of those guys. He has such a great pace. And I, I think one talent that, that sports broadcasters have, and especially play-by-play guys, is they can generate excitement and relay the intensity and gravity of the moment without simply raising their voice. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to just yell and, and go off the handle, but the great ones, just, there's just something with their tempo. I mean, maybe they do get a little bit loud, and that's, and that's Dan. You get pulled into the moment, but you don't sense that he's fallen out of his chair bringing you the moment.
3: It's being able to talk with urgency. That's what it is. You can talk and have a good pace, and the when the plays being in, in hockey, you know the plays going up the ice. But once you you start picking up the tempo and have that sense of urgency, it, it almost the, the people in the car listening, especially for radio play-by-play, they're in the car, they're listening, and it's almost they, they start to perk up a little bit. They, they get the, that sense. If you can get that magic, like Vince Scully, Dan Schullman, uh, Kevin Harlan's a little different because. Kevin Harlan, he he's, one, he's he's he just starts yelling, but it's so dramatic the way he uses his words, and will have the pauses in between everything. Game series, Toronto wins those those types of things. Uh, Bob Cole, oh baby, but he just knew the right time to just and sometimes just let the audience take it right. Just be quiet and let the let the crowd take over on a big moment because. They're telling the story just as much as the play-by-play guy is.
0: Was it Harlan that did the cat running into the end zone at Giants Stadium? Yeah. Last year? He uh, was, wasn't he? And he it? did yeah. the
3: uh, the uh, streaker as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which he, he, I don't know why those fall into his lap all the time, but they <laughs> seem to fall in Kevin Harlan's lap.
0: Uh, Yeah, we got some good one. Jack Michaels here in Edmonton for the Oilers. The last minute of a game. I mean, still one of my favorite calls to go back and listen to is the final minute of the game when the Oilers clinched against Los Angeles and the way he just took it and let it build with the crowd. And, and like you said, built that urgency. And with every second that ticked off the clock, it's like his voice just went up another half a percentage point. So anyway, yeah, I just I, I know you've talked to Shulman. And when you listen to him, you just feel like you just want to say, can you just read recipes for an hour on Inside Sports? And that'll
3: be interesting because you're so smooth. Dan, anyway. Dan I'm just going to sit back and, and just keep talking, Dan, just about whatever you want. <laughs> all right well in your mind what's the recipe for
0: there actually being a canadian football league season give me the key ingredients
3: oh uh well there's a couple of big ones uh they're not teaspoons they're heaps on heaps of cups of, of cba and uh, a couple of briefcases full of money from the federal government and those two alone at that's That's hard to find right now, uh, as the sense of urgency is. I talked about with play-by-play guys. Well, there's a sense of urgency for the commissioner and everybody else to get things in order, to get things going. Uh, Winnipeg, the Hub City announcement, that's one okay. We come up with that. They seem to have an agreement with the public health officials in Manitoba. And within a bubble, I think the federal government will sign off on that because of a, a bubble rather than the Blue Jays, which was just people just flying in and out of Toronto, which they didn't like. So I think that's an order, but the two big ones, and they're the biggest ones, is federal funding and the players agreeing to a new deal.
0: Was the the Hub City announcement a little out of the blue for you yesterday? Or maybe because Regina was in on it, I don't know if it was more of a, a story there. But, I mean, the stories here have obviously been the name change and the Oilers coming back, so maybe I wasn't paying as much attention to it. But did the Hub City thing... Strike you as a little bit sudden yesterday?
3: Well, it was weird how, it. okay, Winnipeg or Manitoba announced it Monday, and then Saskatchewan said, yeah, we're in on it too late Monday, and they were talking more about it on Tuesday, and then, oh, here we go, Winnipeg has it, because they weren't really upfront on that. There was actually a deadline of last Friday to get your submissions in, and Calgary, Regina, and Winnipeg were the cities who did it. But nobody knew that, so it came out of the blue for everybody because of that side of things. But I'm, but it's just – the weird thing about this, read. why announce it until you know? Like, right. <laughs> I know it was leaked. I, it was leaked about Edmonton and Toronto, and everybody was pretty well, okay, Edmonton and Toronto. But the NHL didn't make that official until the CBA was signed and the health officials signed off on it, and the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. And then they said, yes, Edmonton and Toronto are the hub cities. If I'm the CFL, I don't announce that until the CBA signed, the federal funding comes in and then go, OK, we have agreed to go to Winnipeg, Manitoba. So how much
0: just to go back to the money issue and you mentioned several briefcases perhaps needed, didn't the Fed say we, we we're not going to give or, or do you think there are other avenues? What are, what are the details here?
3: Well, we had, uh, it was Saskatoon MP, Kevin Waugh, who's actually a former broadcaster. He did sports for a long time for CTV in Saskatoon. And, And he asked the heritage minister today, you know, will there be funding? And the heritage minister said, Sport Canada does not finance, you know, professional teams. They should go look at the bank. But it was interesting. Kevin got that and he said, that sounds like a no. And then on Twitter, the minister that said, so I'm like no, went, no, no, we're still in conversations with the Canadian Football League. But what I didn't know is Kevin told us during that committee meeting today, the minister who said and gave the reference that it wasn't gonna happen was called out of the meeting as Twitter was going crazy about what he said and then all of a sudden he's doing it about face right after that meeting ends. So He was speculating that he got maybe his wrist slapped for saying something. So uh, maybe he spoke out a turn or maybe he broke a story that they weren't supposed to admit that they weren't giving the CFL money until later this week.
0: All right. And in terms of the the potential length of a season, the, the six games seems problematic for a fair amount of players who especially a lot of American players have said, it's not worth my time to come up and play. And I know Greg Ellingson of the of the EEs has said he just wants to play, but I think there's a, a significant number of, of Americans who aren't interested in six games. I mean, you're in the, the most CFL mad market in the nation. Does six games fly with you, or do they need to get to eight or ten?
3: Well, I, I like the proposal of a 15-week schedule that Man- Manitoba said should be happening which is 12 regular season games and then three playoff games or maybe 12 weeks in winnipeg a couple of those being preseason training camp for two weeks and then a 10 game regular season the players want at least 50 percent, and that's how you get there and that seems reasonable um you know are you gonna come up and maybe tear an acl for 15 grand uh or 20 grand for a minimum salary and, and that's where we're looking at now i think there's a vocal minority speaking out on this read okay. the, the loudest seem to be more the minority i think it's i think more players would come than not even if it was a six game season because they want the tape they want to go to the nfl whatever it is so i i i don't like it though i don't like a six game season i think that's a waste of everybody's time i believe it should be eight and nine and then the players should be happy with their prorated rated contract
0: yeah, 6 would go by pretty quick. and they, and they said they've only would only eliminate one team as as well, so you'd kind of know who was in the playoffs probably after week 3. <laughs> There'd be a couple teams fighting not to be last, so yeah. Well, how about I, the
3: potential of this? If there could be an O and 6 team win the Grey Cup. It mathematically it could happen. Well, if you had a tiebreaker over
0: another O and 6 team.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's they I never it thought it of that. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, hey, this team didn't win a regular season game, got in the playoffs, won the Grey Cup. I don't know if that's the look you want for this, but I'll, th- I'll say this. If it's six games, I want to watch CFL football. Like, as much as I don't really like it, I'll still watch it. I'll still oh, be I would, there. Yeah, <laughs> There's no doubt yeah. about it.
0: I, I would still watch as well. Uh, you used to work here. Um, the Oilers are going to be taking on Chicago give us a sense of uh, the anticipation for the, the return of the NHL in in Regina and area and uh, are, are people there excited to see how Drysaddle, McDavid and Nugent everybody's going to do in the postseason?
3: Well it's interesting because Saskatchewan's kind of Switzerland right they, 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 they don't really have that one allegiance a lot of Euler fans, a lot of flame fans, Toronto fans, uh, Lesser Montreal, Vancouver, Ottawa, and Winnipeg of course coming back uh, close proximity. So it's an, it, there's a lot of hockey fans who are excited to have all these teams in the playoffs. And uh, there's an awful lot of Oilers fans who are uh, thinking now's the time that these uh, young guys brush off a couple of break, get a hot start, and maybe bring a cup back to Edmonton. But it's going to be a heck of a time. I'll tell you what, Reid, I have a week off when hockey comes back, August 1st to August 8th. There's going to be a lot of time spent in the basement at 10 a.m. until who knows what <laughs> time at night where I'm watching hockey.
0: Uh, that, that's great. That, that's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I'll be watching a lot too. It'll be cool bringing the Oilers games here on 630 Chet. Jamie, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Of course, we will talk more down the road. Hope things are going well with the Green Zone show. We'll see you soon, man. Yeah, absolutely. That is Jamie Nye checking in. host the Green Zone, CJME Radio in Regina. Used to work right here at 630 Chet and a little perspective on the Canadian Football League if and when it returns in 2020. We're going to call a quick timeout inside sports on Chet. thanks a lot for tuning in tonight good to catch up with jamie nye you've also heard from dan shulman jack michaels was on the show tonight as was david beard we have another special guest coming up in uh, a couple of minutes uh, i want to thank dave campbell the producer of the show and Kelly kennedy is your studio producer this evening Kelly, how have things been going for you Are you ready to be uh, operating some hockey games again
2: yeah uh, ready to get back at it uh cautiously optimistic read because this is an unprecedented thing but i uh, tell you what the setup we got here at the station for the boys is looking sharp and uh, i think it's going to be great and uh, hey next tuesday we got the flames gonna be good yeah, there. Well, I haven't been in
0: the station since April, but one of our our meeting rooms, our boardrooms, has been turned into a studio. I think mm-hmm. six thirty. Chad posted something on Instagram earlier today. So Jack and Bob, the plan is they will call games from there, and uh, Rob and I will have our, our usual duties on the broadcasts, and we'll have uh, we'll have all sorts of fun, and we'll we'll get rolling. We're just gonna we're just gonna hit it. We're just gonna keep rolling. We're pretty lucky that in this industry we can broadcast remotely. I, I've been broadcasting from home since the second week of april I, I think it sounds the same as the studio which is which is great it's similar just been, yeah it's, yeah, it's and I've, similar. I've moved out of my little spare room that was the size of a closet and i'm in my i'm in my basement now
2: it, it and, sounds better uh, down there fine. than it was in that little room i can tell you that much where you got oh, does all the really? stuff now is great the little room kind of had a little echo to it but just where you have it now
0: amazing it's awesome well, that's good. Well, maybe I'll just live in my basement.
2: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, forget
0: about living in my parents' basement. I'll live in my own basement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. 7804960063. This texture says I have the perfect name for the Edmonton football team. It should be the Edmonton Energy. It's historical for the area. I do know they already had a basketball team with that same name, but that is. Uh, Texas seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I don't. I don't mind energy. That one's grown on me a little bit. The more I've, uh, the more I've kind of said it out loud and used it in my head. I, I still kind of like Edmonton Express. Um, I know some people don't. I, I mean, look again. They're, 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 they haven't made everybody happy with the name change, and they're not going to make everybody happy um, with, with with the new name. But uh, it's it is kind of exciting for me that they're going to be picking a new name and, and heading in, in a new direction for a very uh, unique perspective on this i'm going to welcome a, a colleague from down the road at global television community reporter she is currently on Matt Lee, but she posted some very interesting comments yesterday after uh the team made the the announcement that they were dropping eskimo pleased to be joined on inside sports by margot Marin. margot how are you doing
4: i'm very good and i i'm excited i think this is my first time appearing on your show
0: uh, it is. So thank you very much for, for coming on. And you're you're a voice when all this was happening yesterday that to me stood out because of something you posted on Twitter. And, and I'm glad you did because I, I wouldn't have even thought about this connection in your perspective uh, if you haven't posted that. I'm just going to read the first part of your tweet and then kind of let you uh, elaborate from there. But you wrote, my appreciation for diversity is largely rooted in my time on the EE cheer team. There were so many impactful moments that shaped me as an ally and a leader from those years. So I thought that was a very uh, a powerful statement, and I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about diversity, being an ally, and leadership.
4: Sure, I mean, uh, I joined the organization. I was just a baby, like I had just turned 18. Um, I had a very limited um, experience in the world up until that point, and it sort of like opened my eyes to the big city stuff that was going on all around me. And, uh, you know, it was my first time really like seeing um, powwow dancers in action at the games or seeing drum circles happening at, uh, you know, community promotions that we were a part of, um, visiting schools, like really cool schools, like. Ben Calf Robe where they have these beautiful Indigenous programs that I didn't even know existed Uh, and if it weren't for my experience with that club I wouldn't have been exposed to all of the wonderful things that we celebrate in our community about Indigenous communities but then also it opened my eyes to ask more questions about what else is going on in our city um, and what are some of the problems that that uh, have happened because of systemic racism Um, and so really it all started at the Eskimos uh, that appreciation.
0: So is that where it sort of started to click from you? This is a team that engages with the community and so many types of people. Then did that start to create that uncomfortable feeling about the team name for you?
4: Uh, I think I I really honestly didn't start questioning the name um, probably till a little bit after I was not on the team anymore. Um, And it was, you know, me being exposed to more types of sports around North America and different team names that I found to be offensive. And that made me uh, look back at my own organization that I loved and cherished so much. And yeah, certainly I really did feel um, uneasy about it for a long time. Um, And so when the name change discussions really started to seriously happen, I was very glad that they did. Um, And I'm very happy with this decision.
0: So t- just tell me a little bit about your uh, experience of the last couple of weeks. And, and and specifically when you relate the story you just related to me, has that ever made anybody kind of go, oh, I'm glad you told me that? Because, because let's face it, there are a lot of people angry about the name change and who don't mm-hmm. understand it. Have you been able to sort of turn any heads or change any minds, do you think?
4: Um, You know, I hope so. I I hope that people can still know that the pride uh, that this club has always stood for really was there um, in that I did believe they were doing actions that meant that they loved and supported the Indigenous communities around our city. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, is that if there were some people saying that they found it offensive, it needed to change and uh, I think that they in doing that change continue to show that pride and appreciation for those communities and supporting them Um, for anyone that's really having a hard time with this I just I want to ask why why is not moving forward um, having that integrity that strength that resilience to say no this isn't right anymore and we're going to change this and move forward with the right foot um, that's something I think that's hugely worth being proud of and uh, that's a source of pride for me moving forward Forward with whatever
0: they name the team. Well, that's very well said, and and that's uh, and that's a really interesting perspective. And and just for you, the way you the way you got to engage the community, uh, you know, just doing your work on the cheer team. I think that's a very that's a very unique experience, and probably a lot of people don't realize how much um, I don't know if outreach is the right word, but how much the team does do to to engage with people.
4: Mm-hmm. They're a community organization. And from the moment you get accepted on the team, and I know it's the same for the players, uh, you are held to a high expectation to engage with the people that are the fans. And those are fans of all walks of life, of all different cultural, all ages. Uh, And so right from the beginning, I was so uh, excited to be part of that and so proud to be part of that. And I really felt like it was inclusive. Um, But obviously, as time went on, um, I realized that maybe wasn't the case. And so um, I'm not sad to who have been part of the organization called the Eskimos. I, from my perspective, I thought they were doing a wonderful job and I was proud to be a part of that. Um, but I can understand the name change and why it was so badly needed and I'm proud of them for making that decision.
0: All right, so on a bit of a lighter note, do you have a favorite for a new name or are you just going oh, to stay out of that?
4: <laughs> you know, it's crazy because there's been so many different ones in Edmonton, right? But I really love the Trappers.
0: Oh, call it back to the baseball team, eh?
4: I don't know. I mean, if you have to keep it an E, um, I think maybe the Express or the Energy.
0: I like Express. I've been pushing for that. Energy grows on me. I just like something that could kind of the the fans could take some ownership of and
4: decide
0: Uh on their own sort of imagery, like sort of the Red Blacks left it a little open ended in Ottawa and the whole Lumberjack thing came out of it. I don't know. Maybe we Mm -hmm. get something like that here.
4: Well, if, if the Eskimos have done anything right over the years, it's that they've included the community uh, with all that they do. And I think that this name change will be an important one to also uh, continue to hear those voices.
2: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.